Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, or in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine. Grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibration stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm in five, four, three, two, one. What is up all you sexy motherfuckers out there in Radio Land? It's your girl, Sapphire. And you're fit and dirty, girl. Yes. And we have a very, very special guest. And we were just getting acquainted. And I have to say, I think our guest got a little uh, starstruck or pornstruck. Maisha <laughs> of, Sa- of Souls and G-Spots. And that's on Instagram. Souls with a Z and G-Spots with a G. A Z. Oh, my God. I cannot mm-hmm. talk today. But <laughs> Goddess, thank you so much for joining us. I am so happy that you're on. But I, I I think you said that you were a fan of Yasmin and we're about to thank her for plenty of orgasms because yes. of that. I believe so. Like that name sounds super familiar. Like I'm trying to think of a scene that I've watched with you and and I feel like I've seen your name because I'm not big on keeping up with names, but like, Cause I don't watch porn a lot, but there's right. times when I do watch it and I'm like, oh, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? And I feel like it's a scene that keeps coming up in my brain where you was in it. And I, I've had some orgasm. So dang. And I shot thank some, you. some stuff, you know? Yeah. Ain't no telling thank what it is. Once you. you find out once we get over with this and I'm definitely about to hop on um, XX videos after <laughs> and because I'm trying to figure out, like, I know you, but I don't know you, but I know you. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. And they say porn is so bad for your health. Come on now. We're reuniting people, getting people acquainted with other people. This is what it's all about. I say. Yes. So how are you doing, sis? How are y'all doing with this quarantine? We're now entering, what, another month, which is crazy. Yeah. I, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Um, you know, at first I was like, oh, I'm good. All is well. And I mean, that's still true. But what I will say is I'm navigating, you know, some of my own. A lot of shit is coming up for me just like it is for, I'm sure, most people right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, being in the house and kind of uh, like in solitude and dealing with my stuff is is challenging. It's very, very, very challenging. Um, but I'm also grateful for it because I can't imagine being out in the hustle and bustle and healing what I need to heal right now. Um, I just would have disassociated and act like nothing was happening. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's kind of hard, too, because it's like I want to try to select what I'm hearing about this coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But at the There's same... There's a lot of mixed messages. A lot of mixed messages. And now it's like, I'm at this point where if I'm not hearing it directly from my mother, who is a nurse, who is on the front lines, surrounding yeah. herself with other medical workers, at this point, it's just like, I don't want to hear it from anybody else, to be mm-hmm. honest. Because, mm-hmm. again, there's so much mixed information. Like, for instance, yesterday, they just said that if you have those N95 masks, don't wear those, donate those to the hospitals and wear a bandana. You know, mm-hmm. that that is essential because mm-hmm. the hospitals are not getting the proper supplies. Mm-hmm. 
then it's like, you know, people are still trying to go to the beach and, and trying to have all these parties and stuff. And it's like, y'all are <laughs> fucking it up for everybody. Just, I know, right? Like, stop messing it up for everybody. Like, we already know that summer may or may not even come at this point. <laughs> like, exactly. Summer may or may not even come. So we might as well just have to, you know, stick around in this shit show while we can. But we all have to do our part. Even yeah. if you don't have any money, like, you could still donate your voice like we're doing right now. Um. But yes, Maisha, I want to say, you know, thank you again for joining us. We're not here to talk about coronavirus. We are here to no, talk about... No, not at all. We had that last week. Yes, we had that last week. But we are here to talk about something very, very um, important. So, and I have to thank Maisha for the reminder because on her Instagram, you um, posted that April is the month of sexual assault awareness. Yes, Absolutely. And yeah. especially as we are all uh, women of color, black women of color, mm-hmm. we sexuality and blackness has never always been the ally. <laughs> I feel yeah. like even still, you know, yes, we we try to, you know, uplift our queens with this melanin magic, melanin popping you know, showing off more skin on Instagram, you know, just feeling good about yourself, but yet we still tear our sisters down the minute someone flashes a boob, a piece of her ass, a thigh even. And then it breaks it down to like the Lizzo incident that happened last year. And Yaz and I were talking Mm -hmm. about it. It's like, yes, there is a time and a place to show a bit of skin, but at the same time, what we need to stop doing is putting down these women who are coming out of their own comfort zone as a way of healing. Right. We don't know what these women go through day in and day out when they're posting what they're posting or living a lifestyle that may require less clothing. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think that it, this is such a large conversation. I always tell people I could literally teach like two (laughs) semesters on um, just the the historical context of of black sexuality, right, and what it means to be um, to be black and to have a sexuality, and how so much of our oppression and enslavement is wrapped up in the demonizing of our sexuality and, and our sex, right? Because what we have to put into context is that is that sex creates us. Yes. Right. Sex is 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 what brings humans to this realm. Right. <laughs> and so if the if the society and the culture and the structure that we live in hates our humanity, hates our blackness, it will put um, limitations and boundaries around the very thing that creates my blackness. Right. That creates, you know, um, who I am and how I got here. Right. And so. This conversation about, you know, the the oppression of Black people and and, and Black sexuality, um, it's a complicated conversation, right? Because a part of the shame that a lot of us experience when we're trying to liberate ourselves is most of the time coming from other Black people. Thank you. (laughs) And so if you, and particularly if you are a Black woman, you're going to experience a lot of that shame from other Black women. But what I have found in my work is that a lot of that is their own projections of their own 
you know, um, insecurities and shame. Um, really, I think a lot, a lot of people want to be a hoe. And I'm using <laughs> that, that language um, loosely. Um, but I think a lot of people have this inner hoe frequency that they want to let out. But because of the things that we've been taught, um, because of the, the sexual violations that we've experienced, because of because of trying to protect ourselves from that, we're like, oh, well, you are you are unworthy, you know, if you're showing too much of your skin. Um, and it, it's silly. It's it's like when you stop and think about it, it's really hella silly that mm-hmm. like you think I'm not worthy of love, life, justice, liberty, protection because you saw my titties. That's fucking stupid. Um, so yeah. No, I'm girl. <laughs> I want to snap for all of that okay. because it's it's the truth. Like Yaz and I have talked about it many a times. It's just like, why is it that, for instance, like for Yasmin, you mm-hmm. are, you know, you worked in porn. Now you're working outside of porn and yet you still get scrutinized for your past. Whether it's yeah. when you're dating somebody or just talking to somebody, it's like, it's always that lingering. Yeah, I don't know who's really sincerely like dating me for me or they're mm-hmm. looking for clout. Like, even though I'm not in that lifestyle, it's still a brand. Mm-hmm. I feel like Yasmin Dillon is still a brand. So I still like produce content for that. But at the same time, I go also have a future I look towards. And, you know, a lot of the fans still, I don't feel like if they're really fans, they would say this, but they're like, oh, you should come back. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have retired. Like, just, you know, I shouldn't have did. Why not? Mm-hmm. And then why should it be an explanation on why I stopped shooting? Like, right. mm-hmm. it's my body. I wanted to stop, you know? Yeah. It's like after you're mature, I feel like with with the porn industry, it helped me learn my body. It learned mm-hmm. me to understand different sexuality respect like the trans world the gay community like i didn't know none of that being where i was from mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm. knew there was gay or straight but you know and, and people have different desires and they get in, in in regular society they get shamed for it just like the right. our bodies we get shamed for doing things that we're trying to express here here's a little fact which kind of angered me but then when i'm looking at it i'm like oh Wow, it is the absolute truth and the unspoken truth. So the Institute for Women's Policy Research says that black women experience significantly higher rates of psychological abuse, including humiliation, insults, name calling and coercive control than most women overall do. Mm. And when you think about it, it goes back to your point, Maisha, is the fact that within the black community, it's it's always like shameful to talk about sex mm-hmm. overall as a black community. It's, it, you cannot talk about being sexually assaulted. You cannot talk yeah. about being gay or trans or bi, or just, if you are questioning the social norm of sexuality, yeah. it's just, right. it's underneath the table. Yeah. Hell yeah. And it, it, it's shameful. It, it's, it's shameful because then we continue this never-ending cycle of men who disrespect our black queens, queens that disrespect our black kings, and then it goes even further outside when someone wants to date outside the race, 
and we're not embracing that. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're putting them down. Or, you know, someone who is dating, if you're a white person or Latina and you're dating a black person, it's, oh, well, now, oh, you, you're going to be like them. Like, don't turn out to be like one of them. And, you know, don't get impregnate, impregnated by a black man because they're going to leave your ass. Or you're mm-hmm. gonna be broke for the rest of your life. There's always how about the the double standard of like how black women will praise a black woman for dating out her race, but when a black man does it, it's like he's a sellout, right? You know, just all kinds of messed up stuff. Like uh, who is that? The guy that plays Ghost. Oh, mm-hmm. they were yes. slandering his wife. Like, why would you do that? Right. Mm-hmm. Like you could mm-hmm. still be a prominent black figure and be pro-black and date outside your race right marry right. outside your race have children outside your race it's like why is there an ulterior motive for biracial children like all the time that's right. really what they like you know that's just right. up that's a, their type like i i you know here i want to i just want to chime in and say like you know even that is a complicated conversation right mm-hmm. because here's the thing i want everybody to date whoever it is that they feel empowered and, and safe with right and period, right? I do think, though, that there is a conversation that most folks who, what I've seen, I'm just speaking from my experience and what I've seen, a lot of my cousins growing up who told me, like, I don't like Black girls, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of that was coming from um, pain that they experienced with their mothers, um, pain from the women around them, internalizing that black women have no value, no beauty, and particularly if you're dark-skinned. Because I grew up hearing a lot that you're not, I don't fuck with dark-skinned women. And boys would just say this out loud, like as if they were talking about going to the grocery store to buy fruit. Like it was just, you know, normal, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so what I've seen is that, yeah, of course, go date who you want to, but nine times out of 10, what 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 is underlining and, and motivating that has been pain, has been internalized, you know, shame around being black, right? And mm-hmm. thinking like, oh, you know, if I if I, you know, date this other person, then my then my my value then increases, right? And I don't think everybody falls into that category, but I I do think that the a large majority of folks in my particular experience, it's been that. It's been yeah. these real conversations around I don't feel comfortable, like black, for example, because it's black women, right? And this relates to the conversation about sexuality and gender, right? Because as black women, when we, for those of us who like black men, we want the black man to be a particular way, to show up a particular way. He has to be hyper, you know, masculine and, you know, um, have kinda, money, you know, aggressive, have money. He got to, you know, you know, you sometimes we be even want niggas to slap us, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I want a nigga that's going to slap me. You Wait, know? And, I got to, you know, all of this shit, you know? So it's like sometimes black men be feeling like that's too much pressure because the lat- the Latina woman or the white woman ain't, ain't putting pressure on me to beat her ass and mm-hmm. all of this kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? So those are real conversations to be had. So, which is yeah. so- another topic. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Man, we might have to bring you back for like a part two because I mean, again, there was just so much spewed from that and it it, but it's the absolute truth it's no matter what you know part of the black community we were raised in we all have the underlining tone it's like i know for me i i come attacked 
for not having a black partner openly. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I'm always chastised like, oh, why don't you date a, a black girl? Why don't you date a black guy? I'm like, mm -hmm. because how about they're not interested in me? Mm -hmm. There, mm -hmm. There's that underlining factor. A lot of black people that I have come across in the dating life, most more so on the, the male side, a lot of them do not want to fuck with me because they don't, they don't agree with my opinions. They don't agree with how opinionated I am. They want someone who's more submissive, and I'm not that, unless it's mm -hmm. in the bedroom. Like, that's a whole different conversation. But right. I'm not going to be submissive to my man. Like, you're going to treat me as an equal. Right. You're going to yeah. respect my sexuality as a black bisexual woman of color. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is which is challenging. It's it's if if the man is not able to benefit from that, that right. can be a, a real real challenge to be queer um, and want to have a relationship. I find with a black man, with a black man, um, or maybe with anybody. Shit, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still opening myself up and seeing what else. Because you know, I've been learning to get out of generalizations. Mm -hmm. You know, because um, they imprison us. We, you know, for a long time, you, you when you grow up in a particular environment, you think that this is all it is to the world, and then you step out, you open yourself up to different worlds. You know different ways of being, you know, stepping into your sexuality and your truth. And you actually find everything that you thought was true is no longer true. Um, you know, so I want to be like, I want to honor that, that maybe there are people in the world, <laughs> black men in the world that I can say, listen, I'm with my, I'm with my girlfriend at night and I see you on Thursday, but right. I love you. You know, I don't know. That's what I want to see more. I want to mm -hmm. see more queer black couples, poly couples. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm polyamorous and I mm -hmm. love when I'm able to go to certain events and there are other couples who are poly and open, but there's not enough. There's not enough presence of us yeah. to go around. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it's sad. It's really sad. And it just makes me wonder, like, why? If we as a community always say that we need to buy black owned businesses support black craft support black dating and yet we can't support all things that come with black sexuality mm -hmm. we we just refuse to say yes to all that like i just i look at people i'm just like i don't understand like why and i get so frustrated i get very angry and i'm just mm -hmm. like why 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 can't why can't we? Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I used to get hella offended when I first started doing work around like pleasure and, and masturbation and the, and the importance of self-touch and, and healing your body through that. Um, I used to get hella offended like when I would post pictures and videos, you know, and, you know, um, see like five people like it. And, mm -hmm. you know, but then if I post myself in a... a you know, fully dressed. It's like, oh my God, you look so, you know, I don't know, fucking tamed, I guess. So, um, <laughs> you know, so I used to get offended or when people like, uh, I remember the first time I had shared new, nude photos on the internet and it was when I was really stepping into, you know, nudity positivity and, and body positivity and, 
the the response that I got was, you know, from a few people in my life was like, they were really trying to shame me about my decision to share, you know, my healing, which wow. is what it was, my healing with, with, with the world or, you know, with my, you know, community. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling really hurt by that, right? But the, the more that I stepped into this work, I realized I had an aha moment with myself like a month ago. And I had to hold myself accountable and be like, but bitch, this is why you do what you do. Because because people get angry and get triggered by this shit. This is why you exist. This is your purpose to to continue to move, you know, in, in your truth so that people at some point can start to unpack the shame that we have around our bodies and have around our 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 sex and our sexuality. And it's really, it really is shame. It's mm -hmm. really trauma. You know, I define sexual trauma in two different in two different um ways one is the physical violations against the body so you know rape you know the sexual assault the physical part of it the other part of it is 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 the is the, the ideological the shit that we that we internalize around you know our bodies oh mm -hmm. i'm because i'm fat i'm not entitled to get all the dick that i want or all the pussy that i want right or because I'm dark skinned or because I'm this, because I'm that, all that shit, right? All, you know, uh, growing up feeling like as a teenager, being a black girl from East Oakland and feeling like my value was strictly tied to my ability to please people, mm -hmm. right? Like that if I was not sexy enough, if I didn't know how to spin around and keep the dick inside like Trina, <laughs> that, that, that I was, that I wasn't valuable. That right. I there was nothing else that I could offer in a relationship except for what my pussy could do, right? And so I've had to unpack a lot of that shit and mm -hmm. like look at that. And um, so it's really it's shame. A lot of us don't we don't feel good, and we don't want other people to feel good. And we I don't. Hate that it's just a mm -hmm. self reflection. Like I'm slowly starting to embrace like nudity. I have I have yet to post like a picture of me just like even tastefully covering up myself but I always keep saying like I want to because I want people to almost feel the way that I'm feeling right now more mm -hmm. comfortable not giving a fuck I'm I know my jobs are not going to fire me mm -hmm. or oppose embracing myself and loving myself Hey there, earbuds. We're about to take a break. I want to tell you about Stitcher and its premium service, Stitcher Premium. Yes, it's an ad to tell you to buy some more bonus content for podcasts. For $4.99 a month, you can get ad-free content, including 300-plus hours of comedy podcasts, including my girl, Ali Wong. If you think her comedy specials are funny on Netflix, you got to check out her podcast. On top of that, from all my melanin queens out there, The Sugar featuring Tika Sumter. It's great. It's new. And for all my women who just like to stay in tune with things that kind of kick the shit, that's the podcast for you. Of course, for all my Marvel fans like myself, I got to say I'm addicted to every Marvel film, every TV show. And then I got hooked on their numerous podcast content. And let me tell you, the imagery is sick. But all this and more is at Stitcher Premium. So go to stitcher.com backslash premium and use the promo code Sapphire. It's that easy. $4.99 a month. Use my code Sapphire at Stitcher Premium. So mm -hmm. question for both of um, for both of you, Maisha mm -hmm. and Yaz. At what age did you both become more comfortable 
in your sexuality through nudity? Go ahead, guys. I want to hear from you. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I started taking like nude photos, not sexual photos, but just nudes when I was around like 23, 24. Okay. But then like my sexual peak, like as in like me learning about my body and wanting to explore things is when I joined porn, mm -hmm. like in late 09. Like it took me a while because I used to be anti don't touch my booty. Oh no, I don't like to suck balls. Like I was just super <laughs> vanilla until I got into porn because I, I didn't understand like the pleasure behind certain things and you know. <laughs> yeah. How about, and then your turn. <laughs> oh, I didn't um, say the age. I just said years. Um. So yeah, I said what was it? Twenty three. Yeah, mm -hmm. you said last about twenty. And then when I did my uh, when I started porn was about like twenty five, twenty six. When okay. I found my my next sexual like rising. <laughs> I think I we all that. have different sexual risings. I I think yeah. Uh huh. That's beautiful. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. too. I like that. Yeah, sexual rising. Um, well, so for me, you know what? I was just thinking about this the other day that like you know, my whole life, I think I've always been comfortable with being naked. It was natural for me. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and a part of that is just because I grew up in a house with, you know, mostly women. Oh. And so like, you know, my mom, you know, would get out the shower when I was a little kid and, you know, get dressed in front of me. And mm -hmm. it was just, and it, it was normal. It was just like, oh, you know, let me put my clothes on. Okay, hurry up, put your clothes on and we about to go, you know? Um, and so from those experiences, I think that I began to see nudity as not sexual. It wasn't mm -hmm. sexual. It was just like, oh, we just getting dressed. Um, and then... Um, you didn't get that embarrassed feeling. Mm -mm. I didn't get the embarrassed. It was no embarrassment around it. Um, it was just it a was, normal it, routine. It, it just was a. It was a. It was exactly. It was just routine. It was just like this is. It's just like taking a bath and mm -hmm. washing the dishes or whatever. You know the shit you got to do. You got to get naked. You can't. You know fucking bathe in your clothes or whatever. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know some people so, like to, but no. This is why we're here you now. Know, you could right, or you could. <laughs> it's just not. It is not my thing. So. I just, um, then I think then when I became a teenager, um, it just escalated. Like I started, you know, of course I, well, I started growing titties at 10. Oh, you um, lucky. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> nothing is lucky about that. Because <laughs> um, I mean, it comes with, a, again, so this is when, as you know, Yaz is saying this sexual rising, I think it can be, your sexual rising can be something you consent to or something that you don't, right? And Ooh, so what yes. happens is, is like when the body starts to develop and starts to grow these quote-unquote sexual parts, it shifts how the world interacts with you and how you interact with the world. That and so um, as a Black girl with titties at 9 or 10, 11 years old, it, you know, your experiences start to change. And so, um, but I fully embrace them at about... 15 and 16 and I would wear little low cut shirts and 
you know, you know, half cut shit. And I was just like, <laughs> it's hard. Fast you know, it was hella fast. I was just like, you know, hey, let's if get Jan- it. I- I'm with you because when Janet, that was like my my first like lesbian crush. And I was obsessed mm-hmm. with Janet Jackson's boobs. So when I started growing <laughs> some titties, I'm like, I want my boobs to push up just like Janet. Mm-hmm. Oh, her, her cleave line is beautiful. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. But it yeah. definitely, you know, it is kind of sad. It not kind of. It is sad that, you know, as we as females, you know, go through puberty and through these mm-hmm. body changes, these natural changes. Like you said, the world starts looking at you a little differently. Mm-hmm. Some of them even a little thirstier. And it's like, it's just titties. Mm-hmm. It's just ass. <laughs> Facts. And then on top of that, you're looking at a child like a snack. That That's all types of wrong. Oh, girl. So listen, I just came from before. The reason why I asked y'all to, if we could do it at, do the podcast recording at 1.30 is because I was in a pussy trauma writing workshop. Ooh. And so, <laughs> and it was fantastic. And I actually wrote a piece. She had us write a piece about the first time somebody tried to take our pussy from us, right? Wow. And so um, this this piece um, I wrote about, talked about the first time that I started to understand that I was a, a sexual object. And the first time somebody wanted to experience my pussy, and this was a grown-ass man, right? This was like somebody that, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 years old, and I was, I was maybe like seven or eight. Oh, and no. luckily... And luckily, my ancestors, you know, stepped in and protected me because he had invited me into his house. Mm. You know, like he was like, you know, come in, you know. And it, and my ancestors was like, bitch, don't you go in that house. You're going to come out a whole different person, you know. So um, Was he somebody you knew? Somebody I knew. I was oh, friends. Man. I was friends with his daughters. Oh, and I went to knock on their door to say, hey, it's such and such here. I want to, you know, I, I'm a kid. I want to play. You know, right. are they home and outside to play? And, um, you know, he was like, no, they're not here, but you can come inside. And I was like, oh, no, I'm right. about to go. Somebody will kill you, sir. You know, so let me go home before you be okay. dead in here. So, um, but again, these are so many experiences that as black girls we have, right? And when we talk about, you know, you know, it being sexual assault awareness month, right? Like these are the, sh- this is the shit we have to highlight and, yes. and capture, right? right? This is why it's so hard for us to embrace pleasure, to embrace like the joy of sexuality because of all of this shit that we, that we've experienced. Like, and we shame other women. Like I remember when the R. Kelly shit happened, right? Oh man. And I was going through all of the comments, looking at who was commenting on these conversations. And it was, of course, mostly black women. And what you think black women were saying? Oh, of about course. These black girls. Oh, <laughs> you know, they, they fast or, oh, it's mm-hmm. the way they dress. Even, mm-hmm. oh, my God, going back to mm-hmm. that, the, the docuseries, there mm-hmm. was that one guy that specifically said during the case, well, what were these girls wearing that caught the attention of R. Kelly? Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. When did how a woman dresses and her age come into question before the grown ass uh. man who knew, who knows the difference? Who knew, yes. Okay, <laughs> who knows yes. and knew the difference between mm-hmm. fucking an older woman, yeah, than actually tricking 
yeah. and manipulating a child. There you go. A lot yeah. of the girls seem like they were just normal, plain Janes, like not fast asses and shit. So for them to say that, it's like y'all ain't really paying attention. Right. And that's the problem, and even, though. That's right. The and then, and even then, right? Like even with the language, right? Like around being fast, right? It's like listen. We don't even create space for black girls to be children. No. And then we mm-hmm. shame, and then we shame them when they want to do grown woman shit. You know what I'm saying? But like I think and this is no I love my mama, no disrespect to my mama, but I think about some of the things even my mama had me around as a kid. It's Girl, just no way. It's just no way that I should have been in the mix exactly. of that. Exactly. <laughs> and then now when I want to be you, I want to do what grown women do. You know what I'm saying? Like now all of a sudden, oh, you you want to shame me, but like you you taught me this shit. You gave you us the me blueprint. This. You gave the you blueprint. gave me the blueprint on how to disrespect myself. Right. You did that shit. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. It, it's oh, man. You know, I'm glad that you brought up the R. Kelly thing because it's still an ongoing issue in the black community, especially with the women. Mm -hmm. It's like I have never seen a community so torn in half (laughs) over this disgusting Mm -hmm. piece of shit. Yeah. Like that man is he's the Harvey Weinstein of black people. Absolutely. Okay, if not even the devil incarnate himself. Like, <laughs> yeah. There are so many things that were so wrong in that. And it, it brings it back to the fact that one, another statistic, because I'm going to bring up mm-hmm. these facts. Because, <laughs> you know, yes. we all about that receipt life. Yes. Okay? Right. Here's the problem for every black woman who reports weight, rape, at least 15 mm-hmm. black women do not report. That is very yep. high if you think about it. Especially when you come into the fact that black families are mm-hmm. large in numbers. Mm-hmm. Blood related, non-blood related. We all have like, oh yeah, that's my cousin. That's my play cousin. Oh, that, you know, that's family. But mm-hmm. when does the family become the predator? Especially when you have like, I have to say, I was very fortunate in the household that I was raised in. Um by two strong black individuals, my mother and Mm -hmm. my father. And, you know, they taught me at a young age, you know, certain things. Like, my dad told me, you know, if someone were to come and pick you up from school and I did not authorize this, you tell them what's the password. If they can't say the password, don't get in their car. It doesn't matter if they say, well, your dad called and doesn't matter. Don't get in Mm -hmm. their car. Don't be alone at anybody's house especially if it's just you know the father or the male figure in the household yeah never be alone with a a male in the room never be in any closed door vicinity with like i always had an open door policy and Mm -hmm. i would and that's even with friends cousins everything my play cousin like any male cousin female cousin it was always an open door like never closed doors for yeah. these exact reasons. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Then that comes into light is the fact that you have the issue of one in four black women will be sexually abused before the age of 18. Mm-hmm. Whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, the statistics are just too high and we are not doing enough. 
Mm-hmm. We are not doing enough. We we silence, you know, the victims. And we always say, like, oh, you know, don't be around cousin Rodney, da-da-da-da-da. You know, how he is. Well, if we know how he is, why aren't we reporting him? That why part. are we not yeah, why are we not addressing <laughs> it? Absolutely. Like what well, yeah. that that's it's, what I you, never understood. It's shit. It's a it's complicated. It's a complicated, messy, ooh, ghetto mess. I just be like, what are we doing, right? Like, what are we doing? Because we're not doing enough. That's the problem. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not, not doing, doing enough. enough. And I, you know, I don't even know what the what the answer to that is either, right? Like, right. because I even okay, so I even look at somebody like R. Kelly, right, who also has his own sexual trauma yes. and abuse, and nothing was done for him, right? And so, um, and this is not to suggest because not everybody who was sexually violated becomes a predator. So right, we want to, I want to be very clear about that. Um, but there are, but I believe I want to say um, that it, uh, some data was released maybe a couple years ago that says that 20% of um, sexual perpetrators did have sexual trauma. I that believe is absolutely that's what this, true. Yeah, I believe that's what it was. And so, you know, we have to, we have to look at these things and have to have these uncomfortable conversations about like, why, again, why are we not talking about sex right why are we not creating parameters and protection for our for our children Mm -hmm. um you know there are so many instances where I've had women tell me that their mom they mama knew that they um brother or you know uncle or whatever was touching them and was just like oh well I just thought that y'all was experimenting how the fuck is a what (laughs) listen these (laughs) are real these are real stories. Oh no! And you just no. like you just like what? What's wrong with you? And then when I asked that person, like, tell me about your mama story, right? She got her own sexual trauma, right? right? And so it's just like I don't know. I'm like it's so muddy. But it, it's and again, it just brings it back to the fact that we just let it happen. Mm-hmm. We let mm-hmm. it happen, or we, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, and then I go ahead. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. I mean, please cut me off. I'm, I'm just saying, just <laughs> out of sight, out of mind, and it just it baffles me every time when I have these conversations with individuals and they don't get it. Yeah, they don't seem yeah. to get it. I'm like, it's not even the matter of how a person dresses. It's the fact that the actions. It's what you mm-hmm. say. It's what you do. It's how you yeah. are teaching another person. That's how mm-hmm. you end the cycle. Mhm. Mhm. Absolutely. By us and not I talking think... about just even remotely the the do's and don'ts of a sexual attraction or any type of attraction, mm-hmm. this is what happens. This is what happens. Yeah, when we act like sex ain't a thing, you know. Um, but it's a thing. It's been sex has been relegated for too long to the dark. Um, and what and the, and largely what is responsible for that is like you know Eurocentric. Um, white supremacist constructs, you know, because when we study, there's this book called um, Do Unto Others in Sex in Mid- Medieval Europe. And this you're going to have to is, DM me that one. I- I'm interested. Yeah, for sure. I actually, do I have it sitting next to me? No, I don't. It's somewhere in my house. But basically this book is about um, understanding and analyzing how sexuality functioned in Europe, right? 
And so, like, what we found in this book was that Europeans largely had a um, a negative a negative understanding and, and construct about sexuality, nudity, how you supposed to fuck, who you supposed to fuck, when you supposed to fuck, under what conditions you're supposed to fuck, right? Mm-hmm. And and when we compare that to you know many African perspectives around sexuality and even nudity, where like as African women before colonialism and colonization. Most of a lot of tribes, not all of them, but a lot of tribes, we walked around with our breasts. Yes, you know, just out, just living life. We, you know, like there's a scene in the Player Club where uh, where Bernie Mac is talking about, you know, um, they was walking around bucket naked, girl, in the nude. Like that's it's true, right? It's mm-hmm. funny that. This, Why was I watching funny. that shit this morning though? <laughs> it's real. That shit is. It's, it's so the true. Scene. Yes, and it's like that's what we was doing. And so when white folks came over into Africa with their their viewpoint, their perspective about how nudity and, and sex and sexuality was supposed to function, they then imposed that, that lens and that viewpoint onto us, right? And we've, as a result of living in colonialism, we've internalized a lot of that shit. You know what I'm saying? You know, it just um, brought me to Sarah Bartman. Uh-huh, exactly. Um, for those who don't know who Sarah Bartman is, uh, or was, I shouldn't say is, was, Sarah Bartman was a South African woman mm-hmm. who was brought to France and put on display due to her voluptuous curves. She had an enormous, enormous booty. And mm-hmm. it was put on display for all to see Mm-hmm. For all to poke, because they had never seen this exotic woman. Mm-hmm. And then when she died, they mutilated her body and put her parts on display in a museum, wow. basically. Mm-hmm. And so. <sighs> it's sick. It's sickening. That shit is crazy. Yes, it's sickening. <laughs> and yet, the these fetishizing of black women has evolved Mm -hmm. okay so we might not go over to africa and steal a black woman who has her breasts out and her she has the biggest ass in the world but we have other Mm -hmm. outlets to do this to sexually dehumanize a black woman whether it be in porn and that's no disrespect Mm -hmm. to porn you know to the adult world i work in the adult Mm -hmm. world and Mm -hmm. you know i i try to and with the, the help of Yaz, like we try to normalize this adult right. entertainment industry. But at the same time, we need people to recognize the sheer and blatant racism and the treatment that is done between white actors in this industry and black actors in this yeah. industry. Yeah. You know, that brings me to that whole thing about uh, they're making it to where sex workers are not allowed to get tested. Yes. And you're wow. talking about for COVID or for tested corona- for COVID? Okay. COVID. Yeah. <sighs> Wait a minute. What's the and what's the justification for that? They said something out there. There's no. There's not going to be a. What is it? Funding. To yeah. Get tested. There's not funding to get tested. Let alone now, everybody who's trying to get the COVID relief. Um, the relief fund, the twelve hundred dollars, that may mm-hmm. or may not go to every person in America. Um, sex workers 
And this is not even classifying those who are in front of the camera, but those behind the camera. Yeah, producers, producers, cameramen, cameramen, directors, editors like myself. Strippers. Strippers, toy distributors, uh, sex, um, sex, like sexual work, um, healers. Mm-hmm. Anything that involves sex and sexuality, live performance or not, will not get a check. Wow. And it's just, it's on their site on the application, which is the fucked up thing about it. It wow. just adds on yeah. to more stigma with sexuality. Like Absolutely. These, these are the same assholes that buy into this. Yeah. I've been saying this yeah. for years. I'm like, let me find the biggest, the biggest madam who is catering to these politicians. Right. And let me see, <laughs> let me see the receipts of what the fuck they're into. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's real. Like you're that gonna, is real. You're gonna regulate how I make a living because of the fact that someone takes their clothes off. Listen, the biggest shamers are oftentimes the biggest participants in mm-hmm. in things. And that is just the reality. I mean, like even I used to do, um, you know, work with um, human trafficking as an advocate. Wow. Um, you know, listen, it'd it be, it be politicians, it'd be the police, it'd be all kind of people mm-hmm. buying pussy from kids and, and adults and everything in between. Because it's that power. It's a power yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. And But they'd be the ones getting on TV talking about, you know, oh, we need to create, you know, protocol and, and laws and shit. And as soon as they, at 7 o'clock that night, they be driving down the street looking for ass. And right. it's just like, this is crazy. Makes um, so ass backwards. <laughs> so ass backwards. It's the mental health issues need to be addressed for real. Because like, yeah. So I do... Now. Oh, yeah, for sure. I do want to go back to the comment that you made around reporting. So, because um, I am, the work that I do now in my nine to five is a sexual assault um, advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the re- so reporting is, I want to say generally, people who are sexually assaulted in general don't report, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the percentage of it in general is low. Then when we add specific identities onto it, it, it gets even more like uh, astounding, Right. And so, you know, again, black women, you know, largely um, don't have a strong and trusting relationship with the institution known as the police, you know. Um, so that has a that's a big part of why we not report. And for a long time in this country, we couldn't. Right. Black women in this country could not even take a sexual assault cases to court until the early 1900s. And this is after 200 years plus of sexual violations through enslavement, right? And right. we could not even take it to the court. So, yeah, we'd be like, we're poor for what? They're not going to do shit. Right. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to do nothing. And, um, and I, shit, only... I forget what the specific percentage is, but I think it's one out of 100 rapists will spend time for... Or three out of 100 rapists will spend time for in jail for rape. It's so sad. So it's very low, you know, so... It, and yet it, it we'll, almost... we'll jail people for an ounce of weed. For an ounce of weed, absolutely. <laughs> so it's just, 
a lot of it has to do with that. And then what I have found too is that, you know, again, black women, we go into this heavy survival mode. Mm -hmm. So we're things are happen to us and because it's been happening to us for so long, we just like, okay, will it happen? I gotta focus. I gotta move on. I gotta I gotta I gotta live. I gotta gotta eat. Gotta provide. I gotta do all of these different things that don't allow me time to process this trauma. Some of us don't even think what happened to us is rape, right? Like mm -hmm. I've had clients that are like, I don't even know if this is sexual assault, but then just got through telling me that they were forced to have sex. And I'm just like, okay, help me understand how you are not seeing that as rape when you just use the word force, right? right. Um, it's been instances where Black women feel a lot of um, a guiltiness around not reporting rapes that are committed by Black men because they don't want to put Black men in jail. Mm -hmm. You know, and I had a client same thing was like, I don't want to put, I don't want to put black men in jail. I don't want to. And I'm like, but what about you? How often you know? do you, um, um, offer counseling services? So through my, so through my nine to five, I do a lot of like, you know, the peer, the peer support type of work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's separate. But through Souls and G-Spots, I am starting to take one-on-one -on -one clients where I'm working with them specifically around how to, like, use masturbation and pleasure to 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 feel better, to feel more joyful about their life and their, and their experiences. And um, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I don't have those, you know, certifications. But I do do a lot of peer and one-on-one -on -one support just around talking because these things come up you right. know like they they automatically are going to come up so and I definitely I do feel that. that we need you know especially in this time of need it's like if you are able to talk to somebody like Myesha mm -hmm. you know definitely take those services and so they would just have to sign in your DM or do you have an email I would I would prefer, so um, there's an email link on my Instagram. So I would prefer if folks would, I'm trying to get people to start using my email, even though I'd be like sliding in the DMs. <laughs> but, What's your uh, Instagram again? My Instagram is Souls and G Spots. So that's S O U L Z A N D G S P O T Z. And we're going to so make sure to put it in the bio. Okay, fantastic. So people can just send me an email um, and just let me know who they are. Um, and what is it that they're looking to to accomplish? What services do they need? Um, and then if I'm not the right person for you and if I can't assist you with whatever it is you need help with, I have a plethora of different people around me in the community that can assist you with whatever you need help with. So this is what we need. Yeah. We need yeah. more women like yourself out there just healing people by any means necessary. Would you, yeah. would you say one of the biggest hurdles for those who are affected by, you know, sexual trauma, um, mm -hmm. what would you say to a woman, you know, who's really trying to embrace her sexuality through yeah. toys and, you know, even just looking at herself? The amount of women that I know that just do not physically look at themselves in the mirror or even take a yeah. picture of their, yeah. their bodies, like, what would you say to these women out there? And especially at a time when... First of all, if, like I said before at the beginning of the show, we're in quarantine. Mm. If you don't got a quarantine bay, you're stuck with yourself. You got to love up, love up on yourself. Absolutely. So what would you offer or tell, you know, those women out there who are really trying to find that healing, but also trying yeah. to rediscover their body through the healing? Yeah, absolutely. I would say, well, first, come check in with me. Um, you know, that's that you, you have to. The biggest thing is, is you have to 
have support to do this work, mm -hmm. you know? Um, you may find some, you know, um, quote unquote, and I don't consider myself necessarily like a, a healer per se. I, I mean, I'm, I consider myself more of a light that will assist in facilitating other people's lightness, finding their own light, you know, but, um, you know, there's some of some healers out there that may say that they've done things on their own. And that's, that's, that's cool. I don't think that this work is meant to be done in isolation. I think some of it is supposed to be done in solitude, but you need support. Um, so that's the first thing, finding a tribe, finding a group of women, a group of folks in general that are wanting to seek healing for, you know, sex, their sexual trauma, um, sexuality and, and coming into their body. I think the second thing is a big thing is, is pleasure mapping, which I think is just so profound and wonderful. And I was, I had been doing it for years and didn't know that it was even a language for it. And, and pleasure mapping is just the, the, the tool of being able to explore your body with either your hands or, you know, toys, um, that could be feathers. It could be a number of different things. Oils. You can use whatever you need to to explore your body. Yes. And just and just become familiar with where pleasure lives at on your body. And even pain, right? Like, you know, we have to also know what doesn't feel good either, mm -hmm. right? And so, just exploring your body with your hands. Um, I always tell people, you know, don't start masturbating, you know, with a toy. You know, touch your pussy if you have one with your yes. hands, like explore it you know figure out you know what's what is down there you know um look at it look at it get a mirror look at it um and journal have you a journal that's specifically for your pleasure like anything write 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 about what feels good what didn't feel good um so those are just some quick tips and the rest like i said people can come to me and we can work work that out together well, I already know that I'm going to have to reach out to you again in the next couple of weeks or months because I would love to have you back on and, yeah. you know, touch more because, man, like you said, you you can give us like 40 semesters of this and we will <laughs> still, I'm going to say 40 because I feel like sexuality is just ever so evolving. It's just like an endless yeah. class that we can always yeah. learn from. But Maisha, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. On Earplay. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And then my last message, too, is I want to tell people, get out of that that dick to pussy penetrative. I got to have a dick in my pussy for me to be having sex. I'm not, listen, if you like dick, I, I'm not the biggest fan of it, you know, but if that's what people like, that's cool. That's cool, too. But there's other ways to engage in pleasure and sex where you don't have to be sticking shit inside of you, you know? So I really want people to stop thinking that sex is just about dick and pussy. Cause it's, oh, that's can that's I marry old. you? Like, shit. Can yeah. we just get married, like, let's, right now? Let's, let's go. Oh, let's go. my God. I Oh, my God. I... I don't. I don't like to pay bills, though. So. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll try to work. You know, I'll try to work double time. But I also am allergic to. I'm allergic to bills. I'm allergic to cooking. Like as yes, I have people cook for me. So. Oh my god! Uh, yes. Yes. I cook. I oh, cook. as I long cook. then, girl, we we get married. That's it. We get married. <laughs> <laughs> well, once again, Maisha, where can they reach you? Um, on Instagram at Souls and G Spots, S O U L Z A N D G S P L T Z. Perfect. And yes, where can they reach you at? 
at Fit and Dirty on Instagram. And my other Instagram is at It's Kink City. That's also Twitter. Hit me on OnlyFans.com slash Yasmin De Leon for your quarantine pleasure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Quarantine and pleasure. Quarantine I love that. pleasure. <laughs> and of course, you can reach me at Ms. Radio Sapphire. That's M-S-R-A-D-I-O-S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E on the Instagram, on Twitter. Um, who knows? I might go live again with another ratchet dance party and me just oh ending goodness. up in a cipher of rapping horribly. You never know. But <laughs> we we gonna ride this bitch until it. You Damn, know. I should have got a bottle of alcohol. See, so we could do a double Instagram live. But I need to take a nap. Take a nap. We might have to do Same. that tonight. <laughs> I think we should do that tonight. We we should okay. reconvene tonight. All, All right, everybody. Remember that safe sex is the best hot sex. Until next time. Good night. That was the show, all you sexy motherfuckers out there. Now remember, Ms. Radio Sapphire on Instagram, Twitter. For more earplay fun, go to iTunes, all podcasting platforms.